Good, good morning, gentlemen. You can almost hear this. There we go. Well, well I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to see all the uh, intense conversation at the table. Those of you might have noticed there was a, a pad of paper on the table. I'm going to explain that for just a second, and then I'll introduce Joe. Um, I, I emailed a couple of people out, so there may already be a preordained, I'm Presbyterian, I grew up Presbyterian, I can say that word, um, a preordained table leader. And what I'd like to do is, if there's not one at your table, if they won't identify themselves at the beginning of this little, quick little uh, logistical bit, um, nominate somebody, volunteer them or yourself, because at the end, I'd like to take just a minute and collect prayer concerns and celebrations from those at the table. And the pad of paper and the pen is there to facilitate uh, one member of your table being willing to do that. And then at the end, we would ask that person to stand up and maybe pick one or two to share with the group. And um, I just want to use this as a time for us to get to know each other a little bit better with what's going on in our, our lives in a, in a direct manner. And so we'll do that at the end. And um, Joe is going to have at least one question for us to have a little bit of discussion on. So uh, look forward to that. Um, Joe McKechnie is uh, new to our staff. He's only been at RUMC for 10 weeks. He leads the Chapel Roswell service. He is married to Catherine, who is a school counselor, and has two children, David, who is 11, who we talked a little bit about in the Friday Blast last week, and uh, Grace Ann, who is 8 years old. Prior to being called to full-time ministry... Joe was a television sportscaster and weaves a lot of those stories into his sermons. Now, I, I told one guy last night at choir who I was trying to get here, uh, you know, in less than 12 hours from when he was here last to say, hey, you know, Joe's going to be speaking. And oh, by the way, he's a sportscaster because Johnny, who was the guy I was inviting, is a big sports fan. And he has some affiliation with a team that wears a lot of red. And um, that's as far as I was willing to go. But um, Johnny is not here this morning, so I'm going to rub salt in, in the wound when I see him next. But uh, without further ado, give us a warm welcome for uh, Joe McKechnie. Why don't we uh, start off with a word of prayer, and then um, I want you to put your thinking caps on. I'm going to throw out a football quiz for you. And I want you to see how you would respond to this situation if you found yourself in it, okay? So uh, let's first go to God in prayer. Well, good morning, Heavenly Father. We thank you for the beauty of this day. We thank you for the opportunities of this day. May we live our lives for you, and may the good news of Jesus to us therefore be good news to those whom we encounter May our time here this morning bless each one of us, Lord, but more importantly, may our time here this morning be pleasing to you. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for first loving us, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Now, were any of you in Chapel Roswell on Sunday morning? Okay, handful of you were. If you were, just kind of keep quiet during this part, okay? I only have a certain level of A material, so I have to use it over and over and over and over again. So, here's what we're going to do. This is a true story, hearkening back to my sportscasting days. True story. There was a high school football team in Mississippi. It was the last game of the season. They were going to be the home team. If they won the game, that would be great. It's a great way to go out on a win. If they were to win the game by at least four points, they would propel themselves into the postseason. They would advance to 
the playoffs. So this home team needed to win by how many? Four. Four in order to go to the postseason. So it was a hard-fought battle. It was a hard-fought game. It was a war in the trenches. And then finally, with literally two seconds left on the clock, time for one last play, they had the ball on their opponent's 40-yard line. They're down by two. Or excuse me, they're up by two. But, but they still have to score two more in order to get four. So, 40-yard line. They've got the ball. They're moving the ball. They're up by two. They have to win by how many? Four. Four. So, if you're the coach, what do you do? Anybody want to guess? I see it there. A lot of people would say, okay, let's try the long field goal. That would be a, a 57-yarder. That's out of the range of most college, let alone high school kickers. So that's probably out of the question. Uh, just have the quarterback drop back, heave one, Hail Mary type thing. Maybe that'll work. Uh, probably not. The odds are against it. Maybe you could try some sort of trick play down the sideline and hope to catch the, the defense off guard. Well, that, that may have worked. But, but here's what the coach did. It was a stroke of genius. He, he took his fastest running back, put him in the backfield. <coughs> Quarterback took the ball from the center, pitched back to his best running back, and instead of the running back running towards his, you know, towards the, the, the end zone, he, he stopped and he turned around and he ran back towards his own end zone. He ran out of the back of his end zone, which did what? It was two points for the other team. They went into overtime. The home team won by a touchdown, won by seven. (laughs) True story. I love that. Because the truth is that sometimes God calls us as followers of Jesus to go in a direction that seems somewhat counterintuitive. It seems to, to go against the logic of the ways. He calls us to, 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 to live like folks maybe who aren't like us. That goes against the grain of the culture. He calls us to forgive those who have hurt us. That certainly goes against the grain of culture. He goes to, 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 on to, to call us to serve without being served. That too goes against the grain of our culture. I want to share briefly my call into vocational ministry, and I say vocational ministry because the truth is that even if you aren't in vocational ministry, God has given you a ministry. God has equipped and empowered and enabled you to be in ministry in one way or the other, and that's one of the things that I've fallen in love with about this church in the 10 weeks I've been here, is there are so many people who are doing some life-changing, just just heaven, kingdom-empowering ministry um, you may not get paid for it, uh, but, but you're doing ministry, and that's what we're all called to do. Let me take you back to uh, a couple decades ago now. Man, it seems like time flies. I grew up in Cobb County in Powder Springs. My parents still live there in the house in which I grew up, and the thought of uh, being a sportscaster was all I wanted to do growing up, and there were three main reasons for that. Number one, I kind of like being in front of people and talking in front of people. I'm an introvert, but I still enjoy that kind of thing. Okay, that's number one. Uh, Number two, I I love sports, and so I thought it would be kind of fun talking about sports for a living. That's number two. Uh, Number three, I'm sad to say, I I thought that being on television would be a great way to meet women. (laughs) So those were the three reasons I decided that I wanted to do that. I was lucky enough in college at the University of Georgia to 
to intern with Larry Munson, who was the legendary voice of the Bulldogs. That was so much fun, just being a part of the pageantry and, and, and the excitement of, of college football. And before I officially graduated from college, I, I had a job waiting as a, a sports director of a small station. And so right out of college, I'm kind of living my dream, kind of climbing the, the corporate ladder, if you will, in that industry. But there's a while when, when I'm looking and I'm thinking, you know, all of my life I've worked to get to this point. I'm at this point, and it's not a bad point, but, but, but I realize that I still feel empty inside. There's something that's just not quite right. I felt this emptiness, if you will, this, this restlessness, I think, would be the best way to describe that. And this just went on for several months. I loved what I was doing. I was pretty good at what I was doing. But there was still this restlessness inside. One day I was walking into to Kroger. Coming out as soon as I was walking in was the youth pastor at a church that I'd visited a couple of times. And he, he recognized me and he saw me. And he said, hey, Joe, you know what? I lead a Bible study for boys on Monday nights, teenage boys, high school boys. I was wondering if you would like to be a part of that. And the truth is I didn't. I didn't at all. But I couldn't think of a reason to say no fast enough. So the next Monday I found myself in, in a, a church basement with, with this this other leader, the youth pastor, and then several teenage boys. And we were going through the book of Romans. And it was interesting because over time, and when I say over time, I'm talking about several years I did this. I slowly but surely felt my passion shifted from my broadcasting career to ministry. Because I was seeing God do some incredibly awesome things in the lives of these young people. I was seeing their lives totally transformed by the Word of God and by the presence of His Holy Spirit. It was incredible to see that. And so surely, but slowly, or slowly, but surely, I again felt my passion change. It changed from uh, this time from broadcasting to, to, to now back in to ministry. And it was kind of scary to, to leave one vocation and go into the other. I remember when I called my parents and I told them, you know what, I think I feel called into ministry. My mom, uh, I grew up at McEachern in United Methodist Church over in West Cobb, and my mom was on the SPR committee. You guys familiar with SPR? And she said, honey, I support you in whatever you want to do, but man, I'm on SPR and I see the way they talk about their pastors and I don't want you to be one of those. <laughs> um, I remember getting a phone call from one of my college professors at Georgia who had taken me under his wing. He was kind of like my mentor and he called me up and he literally left me the most uh, just foul-mouthed email or, or, or voicemail that you'd ever want to get because he said, Joe, you're, you're walking away from a career that so many people work hard to get. You've been blessed to get it, and now you're walking away from it. What in the world are you thinking? Sometimes when God calls us to do something, it doesn't make sense to those around us. Sometimes it doesn't even make sense to us, but it still feels right. Romans 12.2, and this is from the message translation of the scripture. It says, don't copy the patterns and the customs of the world, but let God transform you. That's a key word, transform you, because that, that's a process that literally is lifelong. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. <clears throat> then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So I left 
television. I had a job waiting at a, a large Methodist church in the Augusta area. And so I moved to Augusta, which is way out there, and loved it. Had a great time working with the youth group there. Had a great time working with a, a relatively young staff out there. The church was booming. The area was exciting in which to live. And then I realized that there was another big decision coming up. I felt like God was calling me to go to seminary. Now, uh, Bishop Lindsey Davis was our bishop at that time, and, and I'd gotten to know him through some conferences and things like that. And, and he said, Joe, I know that we've got Candler uh, Seminary right in the heart of Atlanta, but, but I'd like you to do something different. I'd like you to go to Asbury, okay? And Asbury at the time was in Kentucky, Wilmore, Kentucky. And I didn't want to move to Wilmore, Kentucky. That was a long way away, and plus it's Kentucky. So I didn't want to do that. But at that time, Asbury was opening a new campus in Orlando, Florida. Now, I didn't know anybody in Orlando, Florida either. And yet I was feeling this 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 weight, this restlessness that was coming over me that, that, that reminded me of that restlessness that first led me into ministry in the first place. And so in the middle of the night, about 11 o'clock one night, I was just to a point, almost a brokenness. Maybe some of you have been there before where, where I took my keys and I opened up the church at 11 o'clock at night. Let me tell you, a church is a scary place to be at 11 o'clock at night. You hear all these creaks and sounds and all this sort of stuff. And, and I literally, I went up and I prayed at the altar. Okay, now that was different for a couple of reasons because I don't know if I'd ever gone up and just knelt at that altar before. Secondly, in previous times when I had knelt at the altar, it was because I had an agenda. It was like, God, I'm going to do this. I need you to bless it. Okay, amen, bye. But this time it was a little bit different. It was a total brokenness where I went up and I said, God, I don't know what you're doing in me. I don't know what you have in store for me. I'll be honest with you, I'm scared to my wit's end, but I know that you've got this, and I know that you're bigger than I am, and so I'm going to relinquish control of my life to you. Just do with me what you will. Just, if you could, just give me a little bit of warning. Tell me a little bit about what's going to be taking place. That was 11 o'clock on a Tuesday night, and I just, just laid it all on God. Next morning, true story. Go into my office about 8.30 on a Wednesday morning, and I had a voicemail. It was from a pastor whom I didn't know, a name I didn't recognize. He said, uh, we had read an article that you had written for a, a youth ministry magazine, and, and you're the kind of youth minister we're looking for. We're doing a nationwide search. By the way, we're just outside of Orlando. True story. Would you be willing to fly down and, and do an interview? And so I did and was offered the job on the spot. So I went to Asbury Theological Seminary, the first one from North Georgia to go to their Florida campus, the first one to graduate from their Florida campus. And uh, I can see the fingerprints of God all over that. Uh, right out of seminary, my, my first appointment was to start a church. It was a parachute drop, which means you don't have a mother church. That was before I was married, so I had no family, no kids, no wife, had no money, no people, no congregation, no <laughs> land, no building. Just reach out and, and start a church. And that was a, a kind of a scary endeavor as well. But because I had seen God pull me through through so many other times, I knew that this would be no different. And so very often when we look back, we can see the work that God has done, and we know that the Scripture tells us that God finishes what he starts. If I could summarize the Old Testament in one word, it would be this. Remember. 
allows the Jewish people to look back to remember how it is that God rescued them, how God redeemed them, how far it is that God brought them out of slavery into the promised land. Several years ago, I started meeting with a group of pastors. I just moved to Canton. I'd been there for, well, I was there for six years. I was outside of Athens for eight, started a church. Eight years later, moved to Canton where I was there for six years and I got to know Eric Lee a little bit. He and four other guys and I were a part of a a small group, and he told me about Chapel Roswell. He didn't call it Chapel Roswell at this time, but I remember bringing our our prayer group over here long before Chapel Roswell even started, and we we would see some of the renovations that were going on and talk to some of the people who were involved and It's amazing to see how things have kind of come full circle, how now uh, that vision that this church was brave enough to start and brave enough to forge ahead with and through is now something of which I get to be a part. That's powerful stuff. That's really powerful stuff. The truth is that, that, that I don't know where you guys are this morning. I don't know the kind of ministry that God has you in. Some of you I do. But I do know that God has called you for something. It may just be to be the godliest husband or or the most Christ-like husband or or daddy or or worker or employee that you're called to be. But I know that all of us are called into ministry. We've got a great staff at this church, but we have great laity at this church as well. And we're all called to serve in ministry together. And you've heard it said before that God doesn't just call the equipped, but God does equip equip the called. And so my, my, my table question for you this morning is this. Through what changes has God led you through as of late? As of late could be five years, it could be 20 years. But through what changes has God led you through? And then question number two, in what ways do you feel like the Lord has equipped you to serve? It could be in a variety of different ways. We have a variety of different people. In which, in which ways, in what ways has God called you to serve. So, will you pray with me? Most gracious God, we we do thank you for this time this morning, and I pray that, that, that you spoke your truth into each one of us this morning. Allow us to respond to the message that has been stated, and may we allow your Holy Spirit to flow through even the darkest corners of our hearts so that they can be changed by your power. Lord, we thank you for the good news of Jesus Christ, and may the fact that he's good news to us, therefore, be good news to those around us. We thank you for loving us and allowing us to grow closer to your divine will instead of pursuing our own personal agendas and desires. Well, it's it's great to hear all of the conversations still going. I'm... J- Jeff came up and said, hey, do you think we should ask about prayer concerns before it's, you know, 9 o'clock this morning? Don't worry, it's not 9 o'clock. Everybody just looked into the watch. It's okay, Tom. It's okay. Um, I, we've had some great conversation at our table. We've gone from someone who retired from IBM 29 years ago and um, felt called to go into evangelism. Malone said it would be just about six months, so 10 years later. Um, he had helped, uh, helped and I'm, my family was one of them bring 4,000 members into this church. And so that's the kind of preparation. You didn't know that IBM prepared him to smile that way and be be inviting. So I'm going to ask that you kind of wrap up the how have you been, you know, uh, how's God taken you through a change, and how do you feel like you've been called to serve? I do want to point out there was only one thing wrong this morning. I want to thank 
Jacob, who is our new hospitality director, for food. And we've had we've had Steve and Bob. But every time we welcome a new staff member, I kind of I feel for them. Right? There's so much that they don't know. They don't know. You can't you can't tell them everything all at once. It must be strange, but it's wonderful to see how the staff is. Uh, you know, comes together to do things, and I appreciate the staff that's here this morning supporting Joe. And wanted I uh, told him, you know, bacon would sweeten the deal, and apparently that was helpful to a couple of people. Um, I, I would like you to take a moment at your table. Uh, there's a pad on there if that will help somebody take notes. Elect a table leader. Take a minute to talk about um, prayer concern and, and, and a cel- and a, or a celebration that you'd be willing to have uh, shared with the group. If we'll take a minute and do that. Um, I'll bring one. I'll bring mine to the table right now. I am really super happy that my parents, who were fleeing Oak Island, which is where uh, Florence is making landfall, um, fleed in their RV to North Carolina and are parked in the Harris Teeter parking lot <laughs> in um, Aberdeen, North Carolina, which is near Southern Pines. And that's where my dad's last church was. He was a Presbyterian minister. And so I said, well, look, you know, if you get stranded there, at least there's a congregation there that still knows your name, and hopefully they'll let you camp out a little bit. And so uh, take a few moments and do prayer concerns and celebrations, and um, I'll interrupt you again in just a few minutes here and ask uh, whoever the, whoever was elected table leader to uh, to share for just a minute. All right, thanks, guys. Well, 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 good morning one last one last time for me. I'm going to... I, I hate I hate cutting people off, but I um, I promised uh, several people that I would have this room emptied out by eight o'clock. I'm kidding. Um, we our schedule has been a little bit interrupted of late, and I am so grateful to see so many people here this morning. I know when you know you get used to the first Thursday of every month, and that is not what happens two Thursdays in a row. I get nervous that people will uh, not show up. So I am really super happy that. We've got a good group of people here this morning, a lot of new faces. I hope you'll come back even if it's not Joe speaking. And, um, you know, I enjoy getting to know people under these kinds of conditions. I decided to ask our, our smallest table. They arm wrestled to see who was going to be the table leader. I, they didn't tell me if it was the winner or the loser. And, and, and so, Les, would you start us out here with a, a praise or a concern? A prayer of celebration. My son Jim is getting married next Thursday in watercolors to a wonderful lady named Deidre. I'm going to pick the next table next door. In fact, once you once you speak, pick the next table, and that way I don't have to say anything. Who's your leader, Craig? Stand up for a minute, Craig. That way we can see you. If we're picking one, we got lots and lots around this table, but the one that that jumps out the most is uh, Dan's wife's boss and mentor. At 48 years old, just passed away with a heart attack, leaving three children and, uh, and a wife. And uh, so there's prayers for that family. And young, vibrant man uh, at the peak of life and leaving a family behind. And what was the family name? Um, Todd Rogers. Todd Rogers. <laughs> Craig, you want to pick the next table? Pick the next table. Uh-huh, yeah. Right. There we go. There. There okay. Um, a lot of prayer requests around this group. Uh, lots of these health issues, not personal health issues as much as people that are close to us. Um, but I, I guess most important, uh, um, Larry Douglas's son's uh, son, Stephen, going through uh, a difficult divorce and employment situation and all of those other factors, um, along with several other people. Uh, our son, Jim. 
looking for work. Came to Job Networking Monday night and is pursuing an opportunity. I just hope that uh, God can, can be with him. Um, beyond that, a lot of health concerns. Uh, when you're our age, really, health is a big-time issue. Um, Jim Adcock was one that we put on the top of the list. Uh, he is dealing with a lot of difficult medical situations, um, but uh, Jim just seems depressed. Uh, Jim Boswell got open-heart surgery coming up in a couple of weeks. He needs um, several other people. Um, but anyway, that's about it. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. I'm sorry. Pick your table. Pick your table. Um, we have a couple of uh, quick ones. Uh, Greg Lange's dad, 93-year-old World War II vet, uh, had abdominal surgery. He's been in the hospital for 10 days now. But hopefully he'll be getting out um, this weekend. And the report from the family, and you just got back, is that his sense of humor and sarcasm are back. So he must be doing real well. <laughs> and Mike Donahue requires a celebration. Mike's been having some, some memory issues from various uh, programs and clinicians. And uh, he reports he's as good as new. But he forgot my name, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we have a couple of things like everybody probably Hugo players, but players, but we have Scott who's a host of refugees already at his place, so it's it's home close to us. Uh, and then we have some medical concerns like like you would imagine, they're, and they're very significant. But the one that comes out to me is. Um, uh, Alex has got a friend that's um, that's atheist that's getting married this weekend. That's a good person, and uh, just praying that God will reach through that marriage. And at the same time, I'm praying that God brings atheist to the prayer uh, high tech prayer breakfast October. That just hit our table, and I will pick you. <laughs> so a couple of others. Some cancer. He has a charity that's a second round of a second treatment of five celebration. Though we allow you to come, Matt. We got Jeremy, Sam. Sam has some loose ties here with the church, so they're excited to be here. We're excited to have them. Kevin, while you're standing, you want to make a quick announcement. Yes, you get double duty. Hey, so um, we have the 21st um, annual Malone Dotson Golf Tournament coming up. So that is October 8th, so just a few weeks away. Great time to fellowship, come together here, not just as a church, but also co-workers, family, you know, bring anyone involved. And then I think the great benefit associated with that, the proceeds go towards the RUMC Foundation. So our RUMC Foundation, which I think is probably quite familiar with many folks in the room, has provided over $1 million of grants thus far. So we want to continue that. This is the biggest fundraiser that the RUMC Foundation has. So we would ask for you to, to go sign up. And you don't necessarily need a foursome. If you have a foursome, you know, you can go that way. But even if you're just a single or a pair, you'll get partnered up. Jeff Nader, who's the tournament director, he'll sign you up. It's a it's a scramble uh, type for, uh, format. So um, I would encourage you to sign up. We have our uh, ruthless, I mean fearless chairman over here, Mike Peachy of the board. Um, I'm on the board. Bobby's on the board. I think Bill, I saw Bill Summer over here. Bill, Bill. Uh, yeah, Bill over here, he serves also on the RU. And I do have some uh, brochures that uh, my wife reminded me, or actually just dropped them off <laughs> for me. So I do have a few of these that are available. Touch them. Just so, just so you know, this doesn't count for making her breakfast. Just, just so you know. That's not, all right. Um, you want to pick this table? Good morning. Um, well, like everybody else, we've got lots of prayer concerns and some thanksgivings. Uh, Jay, who's sitting at our table, has got a very uh, good friend. The husband is actually, after 
uh, having a career starting a ministry, but his wife has got some very significant um, health issues and is having surgery today. today, and they're not really sure whether or not she's going to come out of that surgery. Mm -hmm. So that's a pretty significant issue for, for that family, for Jay and Thanks, Arne. I believe we've got one table left. Thank you, sir. All right. Well, like most uh, tables, we had a lot of health concerns we were praying uh, for. Uh, from damaged fingers to stroke uh, to cancer to dementia. Um, but uh, particularly wanted to, uh, to mention Richard's granddaughter, uh, who is legally blind and is going to the University of Pennsylvania for a trial uh, to uh, try to regain some of her sight. I was at this table, but everybody, two people have pointed out to me that we were leaving this table out. So I'm going to take that as a sign. Would one of you be willing to share some of the prayer concerns that you got? To, I wrote them down in case you need you need help. I'll go ahead. So you know, it was interesting. We um, the prayer concerns that I I focused on is uh, from our table. I wrote it down. Now I've listened to all the other prayer concerns, and my brain is shutting down. Somebody's going to need to help me out. Yes. George really wanted to, us to pray for peace in Syria, um, the, the potential use of, of chemical weapons in that part of the world was, was on his heart. It's so hard in my brain to have people fleeing from a natural disaster like Florence and chemical weapons discussed in, you know, 30 seconds of each other around the table. But I am grateful that around these tables, I see a lot of caring and concern and real-world Christianity taking place. Um, there's a lot of stuff that you can have enough money. This, this came up at our table too, that you think money is going to insulate you from, and then life and then life happens. And um, you know, I personally believe that our ability to love in any way that we can express that is direct day-to-day -day proof that that God is in us. That that to me is how that that resonates. And so I give real thanks to have a morning here. The sun has risen since we've been here. It's going to be a beautiful day here, but near us and the people that we're going to touch today, there's a lot of stuff going on. And I ask that you be open to what, you know, to, to your place in that. When to speak when it might not be comfortable, when to listen when you might not think you have time. And um, I just really give thanks that this morning this group of men we're gathered here, and we got to know each other a little bit better. Um, the only thing wrong this morning is there was no one at this table. So I want you to think about today who who you're going to tell what, what happened to you this morning and invite them to come. We're going to get back on the first Thursday of the month schedule. And next month, you might have an excuse to ride your motorcycle. I don't know if there are many motorcycle enthusiasts in this group, but I'm just, I'm just teasing you a little bit. There might be an excuse to bring your motorcycle at, at, to next uh, to the next meeting. Joe, would you come up and close us with prayer? Most gracious God, we do thank you for each of the men in this room, and I pray that you pour down your peace and your hope and your joy and your blessing upon their day, upon their families, upon their livelihood, upon their homes. I pray, Lord, that we can live out the radical grace of Christianity, that we can pursue Jesus with all that we are, all that we have, and all that we hope to be. Guide us through the rest of this day and let us press into you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.